Hey, everyone. It's Vanessa, and I'm here to talk to you about Noom. Noom is a personalized weight loss plan. It's not just one size fits all. It takes into account your dietary restrictions, your medical issues, and any other personal needs. It's like a psychology plan. Just it meets you where you are. And it also recognizes that losing weight is really a mental process. It starts with your motivation and with your brain. Noom's approach is also grounded in science. They've published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles that describe their methods and effectiveness. So stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. You can sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes. It's available to buy now wherever books are sold. Campsite Media. This episode is intended for mature audiences. So while there was all this craziness with Joe Francis and Panama City Beach, there was one man watching carefully. He was a defender of the town. I was the mayor of Whoville from 2000, protecting, if I may say, all the little Who's. Mayor Lee Sullivan wasn't just a politician. He'd had a long career in law enforcement. My last tour of duty was as chief of police, Panama City Beach. They had encouraged me to retire so they could get a kinder, gentler police chief. I took my retirement in 1997, and then I ran against the mayor that encouraged me to leave, so I replaced the asshole who replaced me. Fair enough. (laughs) That seems fair enough. Mayor Lee is the kind of guy who's always sure he's right, and he really liked getting rid of things. He's very well known for his campaign against crawfish. The state of Florida decided that this specific crawfish was an endangered species crawfish. If this crawdad was on your property, basically you just needed to kill yourself because you couldn't do anything with your property anymore. (laughs) Here he is on a local TV program during his election campaign. We're going to spend a lot of money and people will have jobs, government jobs, to save this thing. Lord knows I'd have been in prison when I was a young and there's no telling what we did do. Mayor Lee wanted to blast those crawdads off the face of the earth. I was encouraging him to fill it up. Okay, put dirt in it. Kill the crawdad. <laughs> and now he was planning to do the same to Joe Francis. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Vanessa Gregoriadis, and this is Infamous. You're listening to episode two of our five-part series, Boy Gone Wild. Join us as we make the rounds with sorority girls, college cuties, and the girl next door. Beautiful, real college girls, unbuttoned and out of control. So when we left off last time, 2002, I'd just seen Joe Francis get arrested. We were at the Holiday Inn in Panama City Beach. 
Reminder, you're sometimes hearing an actor play Joe Francis. Next time I come to town, I want this hotel renamed the Joe Francis Holiday Inn. I met up with Joe again the next morning. He looked tired, but he was otherwise his usual arrogant self. They made me fill out a questionnaire where I had to check off what kind of car I had. I was like, is there a box to check for a plane? This time, we're going to find out what happened the following year when I wasn't there. And remember, more recently, Joe issued a blanket denial to all the questions I asked him. So we're not hearing his side of the story. He felt like he had found the promised land. He had found fertile ground. And so the next year, here come Jojo with his jet and his motorhome and all his minions. Joe not only decided to return to Panama City Beach, he returned full force. And Mayor Lee was not okay with this. Now, we had La Vila and we had Spinnaker. And if you wanted to see boobies, you could go down there and the girls were having wet T-shirt contests and showing boobies and everything was good. And I, I, I mean, I, that's, that was all right because they had to be 18 to enter. But that wasn't good enough for Joe, don't you know? I don't think Joe has anything to do with the holiday in this time, but pretty much everything is the same. There are shooters, there are girls, there's filming. And obviously, Mayor Lee doesn't like this filming, particularly on his roads. You weren't supposed to drink on them, and you definitely weren't supposed to have a peep show. You couldn't, like, have prayer along the road, but you could have choir practice. But as we know... Joe had a defense for that. He was filming a documentary. He, he espoused that he had protected constitutionality because he was doing a documentary, a documentary on women's breasts, which he would film and turn into videos and sell and make goblets of money. I pressed Lee on whether this defense was actually a good one because maybe this was protected under the law. You know, we've got the First Amendment. Joe even filed a lawsuit to stop anyone interfering with his efforts to film a spring break documentary. I sue the officials, the mayor, the sheriff, the chief of police, the city, personally at federal court in Tallahassee, okay? I win. I win forcing them to back down. But this lawsuit just made Mayor Lee even angrier. Now, I'm going to tell you, we don't have people walking around naked over here. Not even now, in this age of enlightenment. We don't have that. But when you have a minion go up there and tell them they're going to get this really great T-shirt to expose their breasts, you know, and then if you can kiss each other, give it a little tongue work with your buddy girl there, you know, and so... Uh, I, I, just, it just soft porn. Uh, but what about the bringing the what about bringing the money? I mean, the more people Listen, know Panama City sh- Beach is the spot for Girls Gone Wild, the more they want to come there, the more they want to spend their money in town. Nobody wants that. Maybe the Holiday Inn. Maybe some, you know. I mean, the people that peddle the offside of that, they might have got upset. So. 
But he says you guys targeted him, right? He says, uh, yes, well, yes. they were they were running after us. They were surveilling us. They were, yes. you know. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, he's got it. He's got it right. He wanted attention. We gave him attention. <laughs> okay, here's what happened. Panama City Beach began to zero in on Joe Francis. They did it publicly. I mean, Mayor Lee is not exactly a shrinking violet. In fact, Joe Francis and Mayor Lee even went on Greta Van Susteren to debate each other. Mr. Mayor, we are not doing anything illegal. My cameraman and myself will not be pushed around by a local tyrant or a city police who barely won an election by 90 votes. Mayor Lee responded, it was seven votes, if Joe could count that high. But Joe had some T-shirts printed up. He was wearing a Joe Francis for Mayor T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, pretty boy, I said, some things you wear around here cause you to get your ass beat. I said, because I'll snatch a knot in your ass that take you three days to untie. So during spring break 2003, many, many officers and folks in the sheriff's department were on Joe's case. They'd ride on bikes and circle Girls Gone Wild photographers when they were shooting. They even sent a helicopter to sort of hover over the Girls Gone Wild beach house. And Joe was just defiant. This is a recording of a Girls Gone Wild event at a large outdoor theater. And you know what? The powers that be tried to, to put the kibosh on Girls Gone Wild in Panama City. But Girls Gone Wild is bigger than that. Much, much bigger than that. Yeah. So right now, let's bring out the founder and CEO of Girls Gone Wild. Please welcome Joe Francis. It's Texas, and Joe runs on stage, almost doing the Nixon thing. He's lifting his arms up as high as he can. You know, it's good to be you, my friend. Now, real quick, I just mentioned in Panama City, they tried to shut you down, but you did not let that happen. No way. We're coming from Panama City tonight, and uh, you know what? They can come arrest us. We don't care. Come get us. (laughs) Girls will be naked in Panama City tonight. So who is going to be victorious in this battle of wills? Joe Francis or Mayor Lee? More. After the break. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, Comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. It all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Hey, it's Payne, and I'm here to tell you that we're back with a brand new season of Up and Vanished, called Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun. 
In this newest season of Up and Vanished, I'm investigating an unsolved missing persons case in Nome, Alaska, on the edge of the Arctic Circle. Florence Okpialik, an Alaska native, was last seen on August 31st, 2020. And I've spent the last year in Alaska trying to find out what happened to her, putting myself in the most dangerous positions I've ever been in. You don't want to miss this brand new season of Up and Vanished. It is by far the most intense investigation I've ever been a part of. From Tenderfoot TV, Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun is available right now. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. So when we left off, we were in Panama City Beach, and tensions were ramping between Mayor Lee and Joe Francis, founder of Girls Gone Wild. And watch what good girls do when they go wild. They finally went toe-to-toe on April 2nd, 2003. Adam Buff worked in a special investigations unit for the sheriff. He was looking into controlled narcotics and prostitution cases. And so your nickname is Buffy? I guess it's because you're six foot six. Yeah, well, six eight, but yeah, same same thing. <laughs> if they use that terminology, just I guess because maybe I make them uncomfortable because I'm a big guy. But uh, I'm, I, you know, that's why I take it as a grain of salt. I don't I don't ever think of it as derogatory. It's just terms of endearment. Adam Buff, aka Buffy, was one of the guys on Joe Francis's case. I mean, what was the sort of word that went out? Like, 2003, he's been arrested the year before. Right. Right. And now he's back, and he's printed up shirts like, I'm the mayor of Panama City, and he's ready to do whatever he wants. They had a um, a beach house, but it was on the water. They had a lot of open house parties there. We did a lot of um, surveillance work on it and, uh, you know, trying to, get a handle on what what exactly was going on there. Because we just, you know, again, like kind of like everybody else had heard rumors and we're trying to substantiate stuff to see if there was a reason to move forward or if not. There was. This was the beginning of Mayor Lee's moment. And it all started with a group of teenage girls. They were probably doing what teenage girls on spring break do. Blasting music, singing along, maybe some backseat dancing. And then all of a sudden, there's a van in front of them. It's the Girls Gone Wild van. And then the cars pull into the parking lot of a gas station, and everybody's talking. And these girls here in Panama City Beach are going wilder by the minute. Sweetheart, what's your name, sweetie? I'm Gerilyn. Gerilyn, you know what? We're in Panama City. We're in Florida. This is Girls Gone Wild. Let me see you girls do something wild. Okay, that's not the actual audio, but you get the drift. And as usual, the guy from Girls Gone Wild has a suggestion. I want to make clear that the dialogue in this upcoming scene is imagined, even though the action comes from court documents and a book. Maybe he says that they should go over to the Chateau Motel and just film a little something. So they go over there to a three-story motel, sort of sandy yellow color, and they walk up to room 320, 90 bucks a night. White sheets that you don't want to look at too closely. Say, why don't you two get in the shower? All right, you two, come over here. So allegedly, and Joe disputes this, the friends not in the shower sit in the other room. They probably feel sort of awkward listening to softcore porn happening in a bathroom. 
But something even stranger is about to happen. The founder of Girls Gone Wild has entered the building. Hey, I'm Joe Francis. One of them didn't want to. She said she wanted to leave, and according to a book by a former Girls Gone Wild employee, she did. So I imagine the two remaining girls looking at each other, just feeling so weird. Maybe they should go into the other room? In fact, allegedly, Joe is leading them into the other room right now. Come on, sit down over here. He gestures to the bed next to him, and once again, he takes their hands. Now, you can probably imagine what happens next. When Joe finishes, one woman stands up and she throws him a towel. They may be feeling weird, and perhaps to make them feel better, I guess Joe then pulls out a wad of money, and he throws it. You want to go for a ride in my Ferrari? But it doesn't end there. After driving around for a bit, they go back to the motel. One of the girls walks around the back, and there's a camera crew waiting. It may have gone something like this. All right, sweetie, let's have you flash for the cameras. All right, there we go. He captures her on camera. It's all on tape. And all of these girls are underage. Joe Francis doesn't know it yet, but this day is about to change everything. More after the break. This is Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. I'm Steve Taylor, your host to a horror anthology podcast where we ask you to depart from your safe perception of reality to descend with us into the frightening depths and dark corners of twisted imaginations. With carefully curated original tales of terror each week, our deepest rooted fears are brought to the forefront by a diverse cast of voice talent and masterfully eerie sound design that bring these stories to life. We'll give you tales of unnerving encounters with the occult, harrowing hauntings, and sinister seances that show just how darkness knows no bounds. Make sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is Meghan Markle like Princess Diana? Or is she just a social climber? I was silent. Were you silent or were you silenced? Is she a breath of fresh air or a master manipulator? That's what we're going to find out on my podcast, Infamous. Apparently ambition is a terrible, terrible thing. We'll look at what happened when two dysfunctional families came together. It's the family that I suppose she's never had. And how Meghan and Harry going Hollywood all went down. Only on the podcast, Infamous. This is Infamous from Campside Media. Okay. So it's April 2nd, 2003. Buffy, Adam Buff, he's staked outside of Joe Francis's condo. I saw his uh, Ferrari pull into the Princess condo out there. Buff calls it in and waits for orders from his superior. They told me to uh, take him into custody. I pulled up in my vehicle. I was in plain clothes. Uh, I had a badge around my neck. Now, remember, Buffy is a kind of intimidating presence. 
He's 6'6", 6'8", whatever. And at this point, Joe's just got back from the gym. He's just wearing a t-shirt, baseball cap. He was standing in the uh, underneath of the building where the elevators are. And as I started getting closer and closer to him, he kind of just started sizing me up and I guess figured that I was probably a cop. And um, he turned to uh, take off running, told him to stop, he never stopped. So I had to wrestle him to the ground. What the fuck is going on? What are you doing? Why are you putting handcuffs on me? I handcuffed him, stood him up, walked him over to the front of my vehicle and uh, waited for uh, my supervisor to get here. Remember how I said that Joe is kind of like a guy who snaps at a waiter? Joe right now is in that headspace and he's asking questions of everyone who's arriving on the scene. So he just wanted to know why he was being arrested, right? Yes, yes ma'am. Then that afternoon, Buff was sent to search Joe's private jet. I actually utilized my uh, canine partner to to do an open air search on his plane that was parked at the uh, airport. So you got a dog outside of a plane just sniffing around. The dog did alert to the presence of narcotics in that aircraft. Uh, a search warrant was executed. Drug paraphernalia and drug residue was found on the plane. It was, in my opinion, personal use. So not enough to get Joe for intent to distribute or anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't damning evidence. None of it felt like enough to pin Joe down for anything serious. But they also searched Joe's condo. This is what Ryan Simpkin, who used to work for Girls Gone Wild, says happened in his book. He says that when the officers went inside, they got those T-shirts that said Joe Francis for Panama City Beach Mayor. They also got 175 hours of uncut footage. And Joe had just turned 30, right? So they got some birthday cards. The shooters wrote things like, Joe, celebrate your 30s with a couple of 15s. Or, hey, Joe, make sure she's 18 tonight, would ya? Joe was charged with a whole slew of felonies. And I have never even had much as a traffic ticket in my whole life, okay? They charged me with 71 felonies, totaling 335 years in prison. From everything from racketeering to drug trafficking, they, they... Seize my plane, okay? Here's former mayor Lee Sullivan. Lady, when you flush the Joe Francis toilet, there are just all kinds of stains left in the toilet. It's just, listen, he, once, he started, once he started swirling around and around and going down, it's just nothing for him to hold on to. Yeah, filthy <laughs> She's a filthy little shit that he was. He was in jail now with the photographers, and he told one of them, give me your jacket. I'm cold. This is according to a book. And the guy said, no way, man. I don't work for you in here. Prison. The great equalizer. Except it wasn't so equal after all. Since Joe bailed out and soon headed back to L.A., Plus all those charges he had, come on, man, it didn't seem like those were going to stick. Adam Buff again. Yeah, uh, uh, they threw a lot at him. They, they charged him with what they charged him with, and, and uh, through all the litigation, and most of that got dismissed. But it still cost me $1.5 million in legal fees to 
fight them to win that plane back that 90 days later the judge turned it over and said, what you, there's, no, there's no cocaine. They admitted lying about that. Yeah, it was lots of charges and not a lot of Joe answering to them. Joe sort of snatched victory from defeat. And that's because he had a lot of money to pay some really great lawyers. Carl Scunwald was flush with cash. In 2001, they had 83 different titles for Girls Gone Wild DVDs and sold 4.5 million copies. In 2003, they spent $21 million on advertising. They were making five times as much on sales. And it wasn't just because of everybody's appetite for soft porn. Joe had a unique business model, and that model was essentially, don't pay the talent. Here's one of the lawyers for a woman who was filmed. I've got a profit and loss statement on that 2003 first quarter. Mantra Films paid their legal team $198,000. And under the talent listing, it said $3,000. It was built into the Girls Gone Wild business plan to pay the talent next to nothing or not pay talent at all and simply wait for someone to have the courage to bring a lawsuit and then simply defend against that. As Joe was using his money to fight the felony charges in Florida, he only became more successful. Now it's 2004, and he's living like a king in L.A. on a huge house on a hill, Bel Air. He may be young, but he's rich. Nightclubs, girls, money, he's just out on the Hollywood scene. He's hosting parties attended by those celebrities of the 2000s, like MTV's Carson Daly. I thought it was the girls don't ever go wild party. Actor Polly Shore. Yo, what's up? This is Polly. He's friends with the Kardashians. Joe Francis, where are you, honey? Here he is on the phone with Kris Jenner. It's season one of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Well, we launched the line for the new Ashley Page for Girls Gone Wild Swimwear. And I want the girls to possibly be the spokesmodels. Oh, wow. Joe becomes a plot point on the show. The Kardashians fly down to Mexico to shoot a bikini campaign for him. Joe Francis has the most beautiful airplane. Point is, Joe is very much a man about town. Paparazzi at TMZ would go up to him outside clubs, just shoot the shit. Did you hear about um, Madonna has a song uh, on her new record? I did hear that. Madonna's Girls new song Gone Wild. Girls Gone Wild, right? How do you feel Madonna's about that? new hit song. I'm excited about that. At nightclubs, all sorts of people mix, right? You've got A-list stars, gorgeous kids who are trying to make it as actors, rap heavies, and gangsters. And so even though Mayor Lee and Buffy had backed off Joe for the moment, someone else had his eye on him. You've actually heard from him before. Being around town, involved in underworld behavior since a teen, folks knew me. I knew any and everyone that was needed to know to be in the hot spots. Riley Perez, who you heard from at the top of the last episode, he's at the clubs too. I'm talking about L.A. clubs where celebrities would go to see and be seen. Paris, Nikki, um, Tara Reid, she was still a young commodity and, you know, bankable in films. Leo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire. Let me tell you what Riley looks like. He's about five foot nine, built like a boxer. He sort of looks like The Rock. Could be Hispanic, Arab, 
actually a black Cuban. He's good looking. And he was a known commodity around town, kind of like Joe. Sometimes he's seeing Joe Francis at the clubs too. He was, you know, in the media looked at as the next Hugh Hefner because he seems like he had caught lightning in the bottle. He'd hang out, I'd see him at the club, you'd see him at a restaurant. He'd come by my buddy's gym. Riley says he was running books at the time. And after nights out, Joe keeps the party going at his place in Bel Air. He would round up enough folks to get them back to his place for after hours because he's trying to let folks know, you know, I'm the man, I'm the man here, I'm the go-to man. Everyone's going to take the free goodies, the alcohol, and a place to hang out and party and rub elbows and exchange lies. That's just Riley's opinion, of course. But in terms of what would happen next, it mattered a lot. I had already been a part of a, of a couple clubs, you know, behind the scenes where I was on the off-the-books payroll. I'll get my payment in the brown bags, and I always got a table there. Riley knew all these folks because he was good-looking, because he was in the mix, and yet he was also a criminal. And now he was going to do something very off-the-books regarding Joe Francis. That's next time on Infamous. Sometimes your mouth will take your ass on a journey you just didn't plan on. Wealthy people don't kidnap people and bring them to a party with, you know, 30, 40 people. That's all I have to say. He knows that if I wanted to kill him, it would have already been done. Infamous is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment. It's created, executive produced, and hosted by me, Vanessa Gregoriadis, and Gabriel Sherman. Shoshi Shmolovitz is our managing producer and editor. Rajiv Gola is our senior producer. And Lily Houston-Smith, Garrett Graham, and Grace Heerman are our associate producers. This episode of Boy Gone Wild was written for audio by Natalie Robamed and me. It was sound designed by Alistair Sherman, mixed by David Devereaux, and recorded by Ewan Lai Trimuen. John Daly is the voice of Joe Francis. The scene in the Chateau Motel is a dramatic reenactment. Campside Media's executive producers are Josh Dean, Adam Hoff, Matt Scher, and myself. Thanks to PJ Vote and to Campside's operations team, Doug Slaywin, Aaliyah Papes, and Destiny Dingle. If you're enjoying learning about Girls Gone Wild, please rate and review the show. It is so helpful. See you next week. <laughs>